Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about a 150-year-old football club. And tonight, it's a bit bittersweet as we have a discussion and a reflect upon the celebration that was the pre-game and then of course continue discussing our meandering season and our poor, poor performances. Who's with me tonight? Evening. It's uh, it's me again, the number one two IC in the business. Uh, I'm back. Uh, not really got much more to add. I, I was hoping we'd go through a uh, bit of a 150 year uh, reflection because uh, there are some good memories in there, but uh, not many from 2022. That's for sure. Mm. And I'm here also to reflect on the 150 years and the schmozzle that is the current day Essendon Football Club. So um, for those of you who are perhaps listening to this for the second time ever, uh, that is Laura and Matt. Ah, thank you. Yes. Uh, of course, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you want to pump up your download numbers, get someone from a professional podcast onto the episode and get them to promote the pod. Because our numbers have gone through the roof since Roberto Della Sasho joined us last week. Are you trying to say that um, Maddie and I are not good enough for our listeners? Uh, is Maddie that, was is on that, that episode. Try- is that what you're trying to say? Well, I'm just saying there might be some new listeners now that. Uh, oh well, that's true. Welcome. Now that it's grown a little bit, so well. Nice to have you here. I think that would be a fair comment, uh, Nicholas, if you were, because Rob, he, I mean, he's the best in the business for a reason. He just. Uh, uh, he, he just goes about his business very well, doesn't he? So he does. there's a reason why everyone's listening to him for the last four or five years and, uh, you know, certainly share his passion. But uh, no, he's number one, yeah, number one for reading. You get, you get the best. When you get the give the best, you get the best. You know what I mean? So that's, that's exactly do. what happened. I do, uh, I do. The, uh, the Can you say that stuff. again? When you when you, when you you know what they say, Laura. When you give the best, you you get the best. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think well, I do. But, full of shit. But um, oh. I I I feel like that's something that you're going to say to your future PE students. It's very well, yeah. it's very footy coach speak. You know, like a cliche that doesn't really mean a huge amount, but sounds impressive. I'll give not, that to I've, you. I've been watching a bit of UFC over the weekend. Maybe it's uh, it's rubbing just, uh, off. They're, they're pretty pretty cliche there. Um. Yeah, but uh, now nah, look, I, I'm. It's it's a weird one doing it on a Monday. It's the Monday itis. Mm. Don't normally do it on Monday. It's the Monday. It's really getting to my head. Um, Monday itis. It's know. been a public holiday. Happy days. I'm only working three days this week. Off to Noosa on the weekend. What's not to love about life right now? Do you know who does not care about our Monday itis or holidays to Noosa? Laura G highlights our, our two listeners. Our two listeners. Um, so 150 years is a long time to be a football club. It is. It is. It's a long time to wear the same jumper. It's really interesting, this 150 year celebration, because, you know, I I was like a bit skeptical on Friday going to the game. I was like, oh, 150 years. Don't feel like there's a lot to celebrate and be proud of right now. Um, with the current, I won't say with the current playing group, but with the way our wins and losses are. But it was a pretty impressive display on Friday, right before the game, don't you think? Well, certainly, I, I um, you know, it's a, <laughs> before my lifetime, it, um, we have been mediocre for the last 20 years, but I uh, know there's certainly a reason why we have 16 premierships, and there's a lot of history that goes along with that. So, it had been inspired. I, I, I don't really fully inspired. understand the uh, the power uh, that is the Essendon Football Club, Club because I haven't seen it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, when you see guys like uh, Jimmy Erd, uh, who was out there, uh, Lloydie Sheedy, an immortal of the football club now, immortal status. That's uh, pretty impressive. So Very. Um, the Danahers, the Watsons. I don't Smith. think they could have done that pre-game any better. I agree with you. I thought it was amazing. Going into that game, we were on the train. Oh, no, we we're driving in and we were a bit, um, oh, whatever. Let's. We should have stayed home. It's pretty cold. It's pretty wet. We're just going to have another shitty performance. And then that, um, <laughs> that pregame came on and 
I was revved up. I was ready to go. That got me up and about as well. I thought, and just the way that they rolled them all out, and there was a little bit of like, is Herdy going to be there? Is he not going to be there? Where's Herdy? And so then literally, he... yeah, literally, just as I said to you and Nikki, oh, do you think James Hurd will be here? And you're both like, nah, no way is James Hurd going to be here. This big flash of light, <sighs> the smoke, and the Messiah himself. Comes, comes out of the sweet. Well, he enters like Thor in Infinity War. He just jumps into Wakanda and he's like, I'm here. Just let I've me put the boots on. Let's go. As we talk about it now, like I've got tingles. Had a little tear in my eye as well. I was so happy to see Hurdy there back from footy exile and get the rousing reception that a champion of the Essendon Football Club deserved. It was pretty incredible. And um, even the narration, I'm not sure. I don't. I know he's a rapper, right? What was his mm. name? Senator something. Senator Briggs. Senator Briggs. Jeez, he did a great job with the narration and the um the voiceover. He did. He did a really um, good job. As the MC. I was really, really pleased with him. And it was good to get someone that wasn't a an old white guy. An old white man. You know, not to get the same old like ground announcer out. Craig Willis, someone. Hamish McLaughlin. I mean, they're and, good at what they do, but it was it was good to have a, something different. It just gave you a bit... It was just a bit cooler. It was just a bit better. I, um, I didn't realise the colour of skin had anything to do with it. No, no, no. It's, that's racist. not what we're saying. We're, we're saying uh, that... Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're saying it was good to have something different. No, nah, I know. Someone contemporary, oh, no. someone younger, someone yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. No, he yeah. was good. I, I did I, I did appreciate him as well. So, um, But uh, I'd ask you this is... Uh, your top five, I mean, I can only go off the last 20 years, uh, top five Essendon games you've seen or been at in the last 20 years. Well, maybe in, in, in your in your, uh, in your your careers as Essendon fans. Top five, top five that we've watched. Uh, been at or seen, yeah. The uh, one where James Hurd went and hugged that supporter when they were down by however many and James Hurd came along and kicked the winning goal. That was pretty. It's pretty incredible. There was the one where Lloydy kicked thirteen goals. Was that against Sydney? That was against Sydney at the MCG. Um, the one where um, against West Coast in Perth, where Scotty Lucas and Matthew Lloyd kicked a million goals between them in the last quarter, and they came back and won. Was you mean that when Matthew Lloyd was injured and Scott Lucas kicked seven in the last quarter? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah in Hurdy's uh, last game. In Hurdy's last game Hurdy. over in Perth. That was pretty incredible. Um, the coming of age of Patrick Ryder on Anzac Day when uh, David Hill did his knee in the first five minutes yes. and Ryder had to run. 2009. Oh. Zah! Was it? Um, was it yeah, know? that was 2009. Zah! In the that last was... dying seconds of the game. That was pretty incredible. There's been some, some pretty magic moments and some that are less Do you know, universally I... inspiring but more meaningful to me. Like, there was a couple of games where we'd had a really woeful year and we beat Collingwood in round 22. Or when Gumbleton would come in fit and, and have a really good performance and just show that, you know, finally he, he might have been on the way out. Just more like stories around individual players that you have a bit of a soft spot for as well. Um, and I think certainly Friday night was another one of those for me, for Dylan Shield. Um, but, I mean, we can get to that in our likes and dislikes. But, Maddie, mm. why don't you run us through a few uh, few of your favourite games? Well, I've got, yeah, 09 Anzac Day, Zaharakas. Uh, I've got that one. I've also got, uh, was it 09 or 2011? I think it was 2011 uh, against Geelong. Our side was abysmal. We were, Matthew Lloyd was commentating and said, the Bombers will get done by 100 points here. Uh, and Geelong at the time were just a superpower, untouchable. Uh, we go on and beat them. They were undefeated. Yeah, I, I think it was a year prior as well. We did. We may have knocked. We knocked off St Kilda, who were nineteen and zero. Yeah, nineteen and zero at the point, and we just said, "Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll hold the record, mate." Um, so those three. Uh, 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 there was two over in the West, uh, particularly the height of the drug saga. With West Coast and Fremantle, mm. the, that was massive, gutsy wins, um, really. And it was really at the height of things. Uh, and I think, oh, I mean, oh, that's probably takes me to five, but uh, I would throw in there as well. 
17 round one when they all came back. That was pretty mm. special. Against the Hawks. Ah, actually, uh, our 140th against Carlton, uh, and we were six goals down at three-quarter time and then came back and just, uh, you know, took took the uh, the jaws or the victory from the jaws of defeat. So, mm, that would have been um, 2012 as well, right? Uh, I feel like it was 2013. I, I, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it wasn't 140. Maybe it was there. I can't remember. But I remember being there and we were shocking all night. And then the last quarter, Jake Carlisle, uh, was thrown down back, and I think it was Hooker went up forward, or maybe it was the other. Hurley went down back, and Carlo went forward. Didn't doesn't really matter, but uh, yeah, that was the that was all we needed, and then mm. came back and one from uh, one from nowhere. So I think they they'd probably be up there as my most favourite. Not too much to celebrate in the last few years. So I think there's no real memorable games. Well, the funny thing is, the funny thing is for me that watching that celebration. It seemed to me that this was a completely different football club to the one that we've been watching over the last four or five years. Do you get that sense? Like, I, I really got the sense that this, what we were celebrating was so disconnected from who we are now, was mm. so yeah. different, was so just not it, even the hint of a memory of what we were back then. When I we agree. Were a solid, good football team. Like, to me, like seeing all of the, um, the players, the past players and the and the present day players in that huddle before the game, it just felt a bit like almost a little bit fake, if that makes sense. Like it was really nice to see, but seeing Dyson Heppel giving this rousing speech before the game in front of the past legends of the football club, like it was – on the one hand it was really – amazing but on the other hand I was like but this we still know that they're going to come out and get absolutely smashed so it felt like it was this big display but there was no substance behind it mm. all right oh you go Maddie oh I was go- I, I think we'll I mean we'll obviously get into that when we review it it's it's the action you know so much talk around the football club of uh want to be this type of Club who's hardworking, blue collar, blah blah blah, and and you know it's the it's a lack of action that um, really discouraged me. But uh, we'll get onto that later on, I mm. think. So, I I got the sense that it's like none of that playing group at this stage deserve to be in the company of those legends. Like they, to me, it feels like that they actually don't deserve to wear the sash. It's it's a real it was a real big disconnect. Like I don't feel like Darcy Parish is carrying on the legacy that someone else gave him the jumper. Like I feel like there's a real clear cut between that. And then not that I mean, and Darcy Parish. I use Darcy Parish as the example because he's clearly been our best player this year. Um, but I don't feel the continuation from that era to this one. And I. I didn't see anyone on that field that's like, yeah, you belong to stand next to these. You're you you shouldn't feel uncomfortable next to these people. Everyone on on that was on that field didn't really. I don't think at this stage deserves to be in in the company of those players. Oh, mm. I think that's uh, I'd say it's a bit harsh considering uh, all those players that were there were uh, one of. You know, like Watson was a certain era, or the both Watsons were a certain era. Heard was a certain era. No, no, uh, I agree with all that. This is like just, I'm just these are how, the best of the best. But this also, is, in this in is how fairness. I feel. You know that this is yeah, right. kind of the impression I got. Like it just, it didn't. They didn't feel like they were from the same football club. I guess is the point. Well, I yeah, but in fairness, early in his career, you would have said the same thing about Joe Watson. Yeah, probably. You know, no, he no. was he was um, overweight. He was slow. He didn't have the work ethic. He wasn't. He actually had to go away and really put in a lot of work to become the champion that we all love as Joe Watson. So, in I don't think that that's a really fair assessment of the. No, I'm not group. saying it to disparage 
the players themselves. Like, I'm not saying that the individuals don't work hard or whatever. They don't... Maybe I'm not articulating it properly, but they don't feel like they belong together. You know? It doesn't feel like a continuation of that era into this one. Well, I think that there's been a lot of um, behind-the-scenes stuff go on at the club between, you know, the, the drug scandal and all of that that's really left a big hole in... I guess the fabric of the club, like I don't think that they've really rebuilt from that in terms of culture and internally. And I think it's showing on the footy field. Mm, And I think that there's this big dark era of the Essendon football club that is yeah, impacting that legacy. And that has really um, changed, you know, four or five years of their 150 year history. And it's so recent too. It's not like it was yeah. something that happened in the in the sixties, you know. Like if we were talking, say it was Carlton, and we were talking about the salary cap stuff, that was long enough ago that it's almost been forgotten, and that there has been not that they've had any success, but an opportunity for success afterwards. But we're still trying to rebuild from that currently, and so it does feel like there's a big disconnect between that group of players and what it meant to follow Essendon when they were wearing the jumper versus what we're seeing now and what we've seen over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd have to – I think our problems mostly lie on a, a football sense and not necessarily it's uh, actually deep within the club and, and the four walls. I, I think the clubs are better uh, – yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a, a footballing – you know the actual on-field strategy, skill level thing that's falling down, uh, and we as fans just dramatise that and say we haven't moved on. Uh, I, don't, I don't buy that argument. I, I think you know we weren't saying this twelve months ago. So, um, mm. you know, the, and I think it's it's quite funny because it was such a microcosm of the Essendon Football Club of the last few years in that everything they do off-field they they've been getting right, and yet everything on-field is just a schmozzle. Like sponsorships, profits, all that, you know, expansion, all that sort of stuff they've been doing such a good job of and they just have not got on-field stuff right. Mm. Yeah, well, I have, I mean, um, this is probably uh, going past the the, uh, topic of discussion for this, uh, what's it, this segment. Um, But from what I, I, I did encounter some uh, inside word. Well, why don't we... Uh, hang on, let's stop you there. There was a bit there. of a... Okay, let's stop you there. Let's stop you there. Let's, let's take a little bit of a break and then when we come back, we can actually dissect the game and we can talk about your inside word, etc., etc. And I guess that's why they call it the blue Time on my hands Good time spent with you Laughing like children So, the pre-game done. Now on to the main event, the actual game of football itself. We can run through our likes, we can run through our dislikes, but Maddie, before the break, you were gonna you're gonna lead us down a little garden path about something that's going on on the field. Oh, it's not so much on the field, but uh, I believe there is, and look, this could very much have changed. Uh, I don't know, um, but it seems as though Essendon has a very boys club um, sort of culture about the, the internal um, uh, makeup of, of the, the inside. <laughs> I'm going around in circles there, but... Uh, I know, you've tra- I've, you're I've, being I've, very it's... cryptic. Give, hit, us, hit us with it straight. Oh, I think just... Uh, um, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but... Yes, yeah, so someone's experience from working there was that, yeah. There's a bit of a, I mean, maybe that it happens at all footy clubs. I don't know, but um, perhaps that's something that that is holding us back. Is that we're still very caught up in being a boys' club um, at, at some level, uh, and I think that's probably playing into the. Um, well, it, it's it's certainly holding us back because you know I, I think that's what plays into the review being done internally. Is that 
we want to keep it in-house because, you know, the boys are in-house and let's keep everyone safe and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, someone, I think that's the sort of thing that's that's holding us back. As someone that's never been a part of a football club, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean specifically by it's a bit of a boys club? Only boys can join. Well, Duh. obviously. Yeah, it's that. Well, yeah, um, but just sort of the way in which things work in terms of it matters maybe more who you are rather than necessarily what you do. And, and yeah, we have standards, but depending on who you are, if you don't meet those standards or certain expectations, um, that can be sort of maybe a bit overlooked. Um, now, this is all hearsay. And, uh, and you're talking about in terms of the playing group? Specifically, so maybe there's no, no, some no, players no, that are not more from a staffing cultural culture. perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure it feeds, maybe it feeds into the playing group. I don't know, um, but if, if you know if it's um, affecting the coaching group, uh, and, well, not just the coaching group, but the whole football department and, and everything, it, it's rife throughout a club. So that is gonna it's gonna affect your on field in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it always does. So. Um, I think that's football yeah. clubs in general, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it very well could be. Very well could be. Very well could be. But, uh, yeah, anyway, on to the game. I, Nicholas, I am perplexed. Tell me. I am perplexed at how you can come out and say we're going to be a hard-working, blue-collar, head-over-the-footy team. Mm. And then from the first bounce till about maybe was it the third quarter, try to defend in a way in which you're not actually pressuring the ball, despite, you know, what you've said about the style of footy you want to play. We seem to be more inclined to, let's get numbers back, let them kick the ball, but we'll have numbers back, so that's okay. And it wasn't until the third quarter that started to change. And I'm thinking, why is it taking 14 weeks? Why are we well, still doing this? Well, the thing is, there was nothing more Essendon than getting revved up, getting excited, getting the ball forward from the first centre bounce, and then letting them take it coast to coast mm-hmm. and score a goal in the first minute. Like, and we just knew. it. You could feel it in the whole mm-hmm. crowd. The whole crowd just got completely deflated at that point, and we thought, here we go again. Because yeah. nothing has changed. They were so concerned that we leaked too many goals last year that they completely changed the game plan, took away everything that we did that made us successful going forward, and yet our defence has gotten no better. And that was very apparent on the weekend. Mm. Well, I I would think if, if you, you know, that's what's so frustrating is that, all right, if you're going to be a side that, um, for whatever reason, you instead of pressuring the ball, you want to set up a zone well, I guess it's in, for us. It's behind the ball. I get or for the opposition in front of the ball. It's the Terry and, and not, Wallace flood from two thousand. That's what it is. That's how yeah. up to date and up to speed we are. But you still get picked apart. Like yeah. that—that's the thing you're supposed to be trying to prevent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're trying to do something, we end up doing nothing, yeah. and then you know, just go back to doing what was actually working for us. And funnily enough, it did work for us. Yeah, I just don't understand. Yeah, so, I, I, that's what's really frustrating me. I don't get it either. Like, our work around the contest was actually pretty good on the weekend. Our stoppages, um, you know, we matched them for the most part in what total clearances was 32 to 35. They actually smashed us around the ground, actually. They got 27 mm. to our 19, but we got 13 to 8 in the center clearances. Um I don't know that that's necessarily a big body mid that's the problem in that situation. And they did get a lot of stoppage free kicks. So maybe that clears the, brings up the numbers a little bit. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, But the endeavor was there. They didn't look listless and like they weren't even turning up like they did against Sydney, like they did against Geelong. But it was still, it was more of the same. Poor skill execution, poor decision making and poor full ground defense. Like we yeah. just cannot stop a team taking the ball from our defense to our for- to their forward line. Mm. Mm. Like it just, or their defense to their forward line. It just, it. I don't understand why we've been working on this 
for nine months and they still cannot put pressure on someone taking a, a mark, you know, when trying to kick through the middle of the ground. Yeah, and, and I, I, I just, yeah, it's really perplexing. Um, just around the contest, I think I think a shout out to Dylan Shield. He was he was pretty good on the night. Probably yeah, it's probably player. one of my two likes. Dylan Shield played he definitely his best game for the year. Mm. Potentially his best game for the football club. Yes, it was up there. Uh, to, what I love most is eight clearances, ten tackles. Yep, from Dill. So and one um, goal from outside fifty. He did too, yeah. So I did forget about that. Um, but even looking, yeah, we didn't get. We, if I've got my stats right, um, just trying to load up afl.com.au here, but uh, we had a significantly less amount of ball, at least for the most part of the game, um, but still managed to commit far more turnovers. Uh, and... No, only one more turnover. So we had 66 to their 65. Um, but as a percentage of our total possessions, so they had 128 contested, 242 uncontested, and we had 125 and 184. Mm. So comparatively, as a percentage of our possessions, it was higher. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it may have been... Maybe it just got inflated at a uh, certain Point, but I remember looking. It came up on the on the score, on the uh, scoreboard there, and we were significantly ahead in clangers, um, mm-hmm. but um, significantly behind on possessions. So maybe it got evened up as the, the game. Yeah, look at uncontested possessions. About a sixty differential there. Yeah. Uh, despite and we're even on turnovers. So yeah, uh, maybe they committed a few at the end or whatever it was. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's really concerning. Because teams can just calmly pick their way through our full ground defence. And I just don't understand what we are trying to do on defence to stop that. And I have to say a big dislike for me is then Ben Rutten in his press conference singling out Jake Stringer to say that we need more from him. Um, You know, which is absolutely true. We do need more from Jake Stringer. But... You've we need more all, from a lot of players, though. You spent all this time of the season saying it's a group effort, blah, blah, blah. And then in his first game back from injury, which you as a football club have mismanaged over this whole season, you say you need more from this one guy. Mm. I'm really disappointed with that. Yeah, he is... Uh... He's a man... He... And this goes back to our point. Um, we're making before about um he, he he's a man who needs help he he needs help and not not from like a i, I don't think he needs to be sacked I, I don't i don't call for that or i think he still is our man I, I just think and i've said this for weeks he needs support um because what i'm seeing there is a that is a guy who is just trying everything um but getting nowhere and, and i wonder if he's it seems as though we've tried to do too much, and we perhaps we're still trying to do uh, too much, um, and that's sort of the you know the what I analysed in the in that first half was just still we're still trying to play some sort of fancy defence when it was like no all we need to do is just pressure the ball, force them to commit turnovers because that's what we're really good at and that's that's what we've been good at last year was we could really put pressure on the ball and we did that in the third quarter and it gave us a chance, mm. shamefully. Um, we, you know, couldn't convert, but it's so just, yeah. My question is, hard to watch. if that's not our game plan, what we're doing, why after a six-month preseason and 12 rounds, do we not know what we're doing? And if that is our game plan, surely it's time to change it. Because I can't actually see what they're trying to do. I can't understand what the defensive side of our play is actually trying to achieve. Oh, I, I, that's uh, that's exactly my point. I uh, we did seem to change it after half time, mm. um, and it was far more effective. And, and we saw that uh, because we, you know, we, we looked like we're in the game mm. again. But um, I, I don't understand. I, I still, yeah, it's it's hard to watch and it's and it's deflating. 
It's really deflating. But mm. so, Laura, yeah. what did you think of the umpires in the second quarter? <laughs> I, I was actually just about to say, was I going to bring up this elephant in the room? Um, I thought the umpiring in the second quarter was actually disgusting. It was there were so many. Um, they really impacted the game. I think poor umpiring decisions resulted in four out of their five goals, which was effectively. Um, that was a margin in the, the end. margin. Yep, in the end, and you know I really get frustrated when there's decisions that are paid one way and very obviously not paid the other way, um, and particularly when um, it's a momentum changer and it becomes the margin. I think I don't know. Someone's got to do something about it. We just—I don't know if it's a biased view as an Essendon supporter, but it always seems that we're never on the opposite end of those sorts of umpiring type scenarios. Very rarely. Oh, we're not about to sit here and blame umpires, are we? We're not blaming umpires, Matthew. However, there definitely was a lot of decisions that were not fair and not warranted, I don't think. Like, there is no doubt whatsoever that the Essendon, whether it's the coaching group or the players or the club, is not executing their game plan in a way that will win their games. However, when when there's games like there was on Friday night where they actually weren't shocking in the first quarter and actually they were doing quite well in the second quarter and those those sorts of decisions were big momentum changes that if they go the other way and you get a, a bit closer on the scoreboard, maybe it does build your confidence and maybe you come back and win the game. Well, let me give you an example, an example, Matthew, and let me ask you if you actually enjoy watching this as a fan. Ben Hobbs is tackled oh. just in front of the goal square. Oh. The ball <laughs> is literally a metre and a half away from him yeah. and yeah. it's not paid. And then it goes down the other end and Harry Mackay has a hand on his arm. It's not even held. has a hand on his arm, flips it back, flops, falls over, and gets a free kick paid. Like, Ben Hobbs was legitimately tackled and brought to ground without the football. Mm. How can you, as, a, as a, a neutral supporter, look at that and say, yeah, this is that was a great... Th- those decisions are both correct. They're both consistent. And that's how I want to watch football played. No, no, look, I agree. And, and I don't... Yeah, the, the free kick count um, would suggest we didn't quite get the rub of the green on the night. Um, but the thing is that the count doesn't matter because free kicks are not some part. The, the free kicks are not supposed to be even, right? Mm-hmm. So the umpires aren't told at the start of the game. Make sure you give both teams the even amount of free kicks. It's not true. The umpire should call the free kicks that are there. But when one end of the ground is umpired or adjudicated one way and the other end isn't and that results in scoreboard pressure, then it's a big problem. And in that second quarter, every little bit of momentum that Essendon got, there was a soft free kick Carlton's way. Mm. And I'm not yeah. saying that Essendon deserved free kicks. Apart from that Hobbs one that they didn't get, I don't I don't really remember. Um, I was too enraged. But that second quarter, for me, not the match and potentially not the result, but that second quarter was absolutely influenced a hundred percent by umpires. There's no question. Yeah, look, oh, yeah, no doubt. There's some inconsistency there. I, I, I would agree with that. Do I think we lost a match on that? <laughs> no, this wasn't uh, 2019 Anzac Day when the the players stopped twice and there was still no. Well, I don't think it was at to that level. Was it? Yeah, there were there were some inconsistent decisions. They didn't go our way. I agree with that. But what happens, though, is the way that affects momentum is it gives Carlton a six-goal lead or a five-goal lead, which then we don't peg back. Whereas if those decisions aren't made, and Essendon's within a couple goals all night, then when your team's out of form, it gets a bit of a sniff and it comes forward. Whereas the all-spark of the game was rubbed out by halftime because of the inconsistency. That's how I feel about it, and that's how I feel it influenced the result. Not that had the free kicks been even, we would have won. It actually it ruined the game. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'd say ruin the game. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not great for the game if we've got inconsistency, but inconsistencies probably happen, um, you know, eight, eight times a week, nine times a week, however many games are being played. So um, we were, you know, uncontested possessions, we're down 60 
Mm. Um, we let we them take them 30. We, we, they took 30 more, 33 more marks than mm-hmm. we did, plus six. They took 13 marks inside 50. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky to have 14 contested marks. You can't rely on them. Um, we, we still got up, you know, 19 scoring shots to their 20. Mm. Um, so if you can, you, you can be more accurate, uh, and you know, I, I think truth be told, we, we didn't take our chances. No, uh, and they probably let a few. We don't generate good scoring shots with our, the way that we move the ball. All our scoring shots are 40 to 50 metres, whereas Carlton's were much deeper. Mm. They were sort of 30 to 40 metres, 20 to 40 metres. Yeah, but I'm saying that, that's more of a problem to me than um, a couple of umpiring decisions. Yeah, they were, they were costly, but they, look, they don't help. Um, but sometimes they do go our way and we probably don't acknowledge them. Because I've gone our way, and we huh, great. They they uh, do sometimes. No, they definitely do sometimes go our way. Like I've watched a game where I'm like, oh, that should have been a free. But more often than not, they don't. Oh, I think there's especially, a bias there. No, especially in a way that it has such influence on the game. I, I think there may be a uh, some a, a bias at play there. That's just my opinion, but I disagree with your opinion. Is, is, as Essendon supporters, we've been watching a very mediocre football club for a very long time. And so you you feel powerless as a football club and you think, oh, the umpiring's against us. That's the reason we lost rather than we're just pretty shit. Mm. 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 Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't, yeah, it's not the reason we lost, but I think the, the, the reason why it hits hard for us is, is because in a game where we're like, oh, we could be a chance, you know, which we haven't experienced often in the last couple of years, it then feels like it has a bigger impact. Mm. Mm. So so let's talk about a couple of positives. Probably the youngest team on the park this round once again. Um, I was really happy with Harry Jones. Mm. Yeah, Uh, he had a good game. He's going to be a player, isn't he? Yeah, I get the sense that he's going to be a good player. Um, I like the way that he moves. I like the way that he takes his chances. I like the way that he attacks the ball. So really happy with that. Uh, Peter Wright, another, what's that, the third game in a row where he... No, I think it's at least number four. Yeah. I think it's number four. He's had some really... He's not done a lot, has he, in the last three or four weeks? You're only as good as what's up the field as a forward, though. Um, I think that's true for Peter Wright more so than any other. Um... Yeah, so he, he was a bit disappointing when he is our focal point, if you know what I mean. Stringer, obviously disappointing, but, mate, for the first game back, like, I don't I don't understand why they refuse to play Stringer in the twos. Let him play three games in the twos and get some fitness and then come into the ones. Um, it's just, it's so frustrating to see him come back unfit. Um, most of the other performers were pretty good. Uh, Heppel had some shockers. He, I was just about to say that. Like, I love Dyson Heppel as a captain. Yeah. I think he's a great leader. But every time he gets the ball, I cringe. Like, it's literally a turnover, I'm going to say, eight times out of ten. And it's mm. really – it's yeah. I don't – what do you – as someone that's not played footy, what do you think it is? Like, why is he getting so many turnovers? What is that? Is it a lack of skill? Is it too much pressure? Is it trying to be too quick? What is it? I think he, he who Dyson is, right? He's a very, um, he's willing to be bold and he's willing to take a risk. And, you know, he'd agree that, um, you know, you need to take <coughs> risks in order to have success, right? Mm. Um, what he maybe forget. Is what he maybe forgets is that, yeah, some risks um, you have to be very calculated with, and maybe he gets that wrong. Um, sometimes it's just yeah, it's a, it's a skill error that really costs us, and he's just willing to be bold enough, uh, and you you know you miss a kick and it really costs us. But um, yeah, I, I do feel for Dice. I, I think you know in terms of. Um, People who deserve to be alongside those legends, Nick. I, I think Dyson is definitely one of them. I mean, we had a guy who's just given everything for the club. Um, yeah, it's not it's not his endeavour that's nah. that's the yeah. issue. His skills just look really sloppy. Like mm. 
he his kicks seem to lack penetration. They seem to float to where they're going. Um, <clears throat> and he just seems slow with the ball. He seems to be a slow decision maker and slow at actually executing a handball or a kick. He's very courageous. He'll put his body on the line. He'll jump for a very difficult mark. But he just seems half a second too slow. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and look, maybe he's just getting, getting that age. It's, uh, well, everyone already... laughed at me when I said this, but since he cut his hair, he hasn't been the same. <laughs> well, he was, he was pretty decent last year. Uh, only the second half. I remember having a lot of conversations in the first half of the year talking about Dyson Heppel and not being up to standard. And then kind of halfway through the season, he sort of flipped it and started to really have some good games. Mm. Maybe his time is coming. Mm. Maybe it takes him an extra six months to warm up. Mm. I like um, I like Nick Martin. I like uh, playing Perkins in the middle. Uh, I thought Phillips had a good game. I thought Draper had a good game. Uh, well, a bit hit and miss, but his good was really good. Um, so Nick Hine had a good game. So from around that, that younger group, I'm happy with their output and I'm happy with that the coaches have now decided that, look, the season's done. Let's give Perkins minutes in the middle. Let's give Hobbs minutes in the middle. Let's give Caldwell minutes in the middle. Um, and look, I'm, I'm all for that for the rest of the season. Um, I'm just, I just find it difficult to get excited about any of the next 11, 10, 11 games. Mm. I, just, I just have a question about watching them play. From, a, from someone that doesn't watch the football from a statistical and analytical point of view, like myself, what it looks like is there's always just a lot of opposition players running free. And so what is that? Is it they're not manning up? Is it not – is the game plan the issue? Like are they trying to play a different style where you don't stick on your opponent? Like what is that? Because it just looks like they the opposition always has a lot of free players. And they run and, in waves. Yeah, it's yeah. work rate. It, it looks like our work rate is really low um, and either we're not fit enough or we're thinking too hard about the game plan and we're not playing the game on the merits. Because mm. mm. they also just look very stagnant. Like mm-hmm. there's just no movement and they always just look like they're standing still, whereas the opposition is always just running and running and moving. And yeah, it looks like Essendon is just always standing still. Even when Essendon is in possession of the ball, Mm. They're not moving. They don't have anything forward of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think two things. I think um, when you, for most of the game, you don't have control of the ball, it, it tends to look like you're just chasing all day. And you're, you know, no, you're but they don't off. even look like they're chasing. They just look like they're standing still. Yeah. And the other no, no, opposition's I, I, running I away. Yeah. Um, when, when, but that's also, um, you know, teams when they're scouters and then, um, they analyse that once you can force them into a turnover at half back or to the middle of the ground, um, that their wave, our wave, is sort of gone, and you can we can really get hurt on transition, which is what happens, and mm. um, we can really be picked apart by skill level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when that happens, I, I think, yeah, it looks like the team is just a step ahead, and we're we're like which is at some which we, <laughs> like I said all, all week, I was calling it uh, the Carlton training session. So and it, and it, you know for parts of the game it really was because um, that's exactly what happened. We just look like we just hats who were going mm. at half pace because we just get picked apart so easily. Mm. So I tell you what. Any... Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say I just tell you what. Um, I think I have some sort of PTSD from that '99 prelim because every time the Carlton theme song plays, it just triggers something so hardcore in me, like it makes me rage. That song, and I think it stems back to that 1999 preliminary final when we were at the game. That's the most devastated I've ever felt after mm. a football game. And so it just makes me, when I hear that song at the end when they've won, this mm. rage just comes up inside me. It makes me so angry. Um, and I just really wish we had have won that game. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think if, if I can pull a positive out, Carlton fans were not dissimilar or we're not saying dissimilar things to what we were or what we are now. 
uh, and and not to say they've just changed one person in the place, um, but perhaps there maybe their list is a little bit ahead of where we are. Mm. But it might be some indication that you, you can turn it around pretty quickly in footy. And I, I, I look, I really am a big believer that if we can get the right support around Truck and Kara and and Jan Siracusa, um, and there are some perhaps some changes made um, more internal. Um, at Essendon, uh, it can it can turn around pretty quickly. Uh, you know, mm. look at the impact Vossi's made. I don't think we'll have a new head coach, um, but but just a, yeah, just some personnel changes, some new voices somewhere, some some something to really shake up the club a bit, which is I think might happen to Carlton over the off season. Um, it, it can change pretty quickly. Now they're you know top four, five, fifth or something. So if that's a positive take out of the game. Um, it's it. what that Carlton <laughs> are good, and, well, and it's that Carlton it, have gone past us at a rate of knots. Well, it's saying that it's it, it's uh, doesn't necessarily have to be this way forever. That that you can you can turn around pretty quickly, and that's exactly what Carlton have done. So it's certainly mm. possible. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it is. It is. But we've been saying that for a number mm. of years, a but, number well, of years. Yeah. And I, I I do. And Nicky Noodle lost faith on the weekend. That was very. Oh funny. my gosh, he did. He's been so. Mr. Positive, just, you know, just trust the process in truck we trust, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my mm. gosh. He, but, he was not happy. Yeah, but I do agree that our probably 24 and under list is probably the best that we've had at the football club in my active memory. Like, I know 93 was a baby bombers, but I think this is probably the most talent that we've had under 25 on, on a list. Um, mm. And so the building blocks are definitely there. There's no question. Um, but I I haven't seen anything at this stage um, to make me believe... Oh, no, that's not true. I haven't seen anything in the game plan to make me believe that um, the coaching group knows enough or has enough experience to be able to get the most out of the players. Um, I think Ben Rutten is a good person and I think he's a good, will be a good head coach if he can have, develop the game day game plan now. Like as a, as a leader of people and a unifier of a group, I think he's definitely the right person, but he needs some support in the, the game plan fit. And I think the fitness staff and the rehab staff have been very poor. Um, Mm. We haven't been able to get our best 22 on the team on the field once. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I think that point around truck not being able to get the best out of people is, is. I mean, Nick Hind was. I mean, he was. Maybe it's a bit adventurous. To say he was in all Australian uh, contention last year, but he, he, his output was better than Adam Sard's last year, or at least for a lot of last year. So, and that was a guy who wasn't wanted by a lot of clubs. You know, mm. he got it for peanuts. So, I, I think he can. I, I think maybe he, he's done too much. And, yeah, and I don't. Just... I don't think it's fair to say he can't get the best out of people. I've seen a few of his, like even the way, the during the week they showed a video of him addressing the playing group, and I've mm. from what I've seen of him addressing the playing group, I think that he's a really good people person, and I think that he does know how to get the best out of the players, in in from a maybe from a psychological sense. However, maybe not from a game plan and execution of the on the field. So mm. that's where Matthew's saying he needs some different people around him. Mm. I mean, I'd I'd certainly be going after Clarko if I was Essendon. And yeah, I, I don't know if he'd be in a senior assistant role. I don't think I if he'd be that. I don't know if he'd be that kind of guy. But I, that's who I would be targeting. Mm. Him. But then does he dwarf truck and does that lead you to other problems? So, well, but I'd yeah, rather have a football club. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't really care how, yeah, no, about truck's fair. feelings. Yeah. Um, there's oh, well, obviously not... a reason they hired him, right? Like, there's obviously a reason. Hmm. Mm. There's just something somewhere along the line that's not connecting, that's not working well, and it's not leading to on-field performance. But obviously, there's a reason why they hired him. Hmm. Hmm. Well, why don't we have a little bit of a break um, and then when we come back let's have a chat about the game coming up because I just want to have a chat about some stuff that, that I saw in the VFL um, so we'll, uh, we'll be back in a tick 
Another Friday night game coming up against St Kilda at our home Marvel Stadium. Um, by all reports, Langford should be fit, Snelling should be fit, and really, if both McGrath and um, and Parrish get up, this will 100% be our best team that we can assemble this year. Uh, what do you guys think? Just a question. What did Parrish do? His calf? He did corky. Yeah, cork, oh, corky. Enough. Okay. Yeah, so, um, I have this no goes, opinion. <laughs> this goes back to my point, uh, and maybe it's actually getting away from your question, Nick, so my apologies. But um, Saturday, April 3, 2021, we pumped St. Kilda by 75 mm. points. 12 months mm. on, it's a completely different story. Mm. Uh, so that just goes back to my point of how quickly things can change in, in football. Um, and, you know... I don't think this time last year we were saying <laughs> get you know the trucks uh, truck this and truck that. So I yeah, but anyway, I'm, my point was things can change a lot in a year. Yeah, well, but... the, I think the the concern for all Essendon supporters is not that we expected that we would be winning the premiership this year, mm. but that we have legitimately gone backwards. We mm. are a significantly worse football team than we were last year. We yeah. and they've always said the improvement's not going to be linear, but. Nobody expected us to be this woefully bad. We mm. are two and ten mm. Mm. after yeah. the halfway point of the season. We've played twelve teams and only beaten two. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is, um, it, it it's it, it doesn't take that like the it evidence can, is. You're there. saying yeah, it can turn. The evidence is there. Yeah, can turn quickly, and sometimes uh, it can also be about just doing, le- you know, from a strategy perspective and everything. However complicated they make the game, which just seems to made it just way more complicated than it has to be. Um, and, and just how quickly things might be able to change over an off season. So, um, yeah, but the important was it, maybe it's, it, it is doom and gloom for this season. But um, yeah, the, the, things can turn quickly. Things can turn quickly, but uh, I'll have to go back. What was your question again? <laughs> so, um, we should have Snelling, uh, best team on the park. Langford, Stewart, um, and who else was on our injury list? Um, McGrath. McGrath, all available. Add to that Stringer and everyone that played on the weekend, plus the two draftees if they're going to come into the game. So, we should have legitimately our best 22 available. Yeah, they won't be fully fit. I, I thought um, they were saying Langford would play in the VFL mm-hmm. this week if if he was fit. Um, how about uh, was it the the Italian stallion D'Ambrosio in the VFL? Mm. He could. He had uh, about thirty touches. Yeah, thirty-two. So who knows? Maybe he's a uh, someone to inject into the side. And I believe Menzi kicked a couple as well. So mm. um, we there's one thing that Dora's done well of late times. It's it's uh, media recruits with. What do we got? Snelling, Durham. It looks like he's picked up another two jets. So, yeah, I think he's he's drafted really well. Yeah. Um, the big one I want to talk about is James Stewart. Played forward in the VFL. How this is just bizarre. Mm. You take the guy that you traded for as a key forward, two hundred centimeter key forward, and you play him in the forward line, and he kicks goals. Who would have mm. thought? Just Who would ridiculous. have actually thought? Oh, mind you, he's probably playing on a, a much lesser VFL opponent. Um, but I, I actually didn't mind the move. Like I said, this time last year, we weren't questioning the move of Jimmy Stewart down back. It's just that, in fact, things have gone a bit pear-shaped that we start to question the move. So, Well, um, the thing is, the thing with Jimmy Stewart going back, it worked because Hooker went forward. Mm. But, but as one soon for as Hooker one. retired, we needed to fill that gap. Right, and you've got Francis, who they drafted as a defender, and Stewart, who they drafted as a forward. Yet they've reversed their positions. It mm. just 
didn't make sense. Both of them not playing their natural game. Stewart potentially doing better in, in the opposite end than Francis was doing forward. But for the sake of getting the most out of Francis, surely you swap them. Yeah, I, I think now you would. Um, I, I look, at the time when they made the, the, the switch, it all made sense. We needed another key back. Um, Jimmy Stewart had the makings of, this is someone who can play on a 200-centimetre, 200-centimetre Harry Mackay, uh, probably similar athletic profile. He's not a gun forward, whereas, you know, in that Danaher, uh, you know, that sort of Mackay, Kurnow, uh, et cetera. Like, he's not in that echelon. Of, he's not that good. And we've got options up there who we can play, Jones, Wright, uh, and supposedly Francis. So I think the move made sense. And then Francis was supposed to be the one that filled Hooker's role, right? Mm. Um, it just didn't work out. <laughs> and now we find ourselves in a, in a spot where you know, nothing's really working. So... Uh, but I, I do agree. I, I think now at this point in time, let Francis go back and play his natural role. Mm. Um, it, it, well, was this game, um, it, like I just said before, on Saturday, April 3, 2021, Francis kept being king to like 10 disposals, a couple more. I'll look at the stats now. But he absolutely murdered um, mm. Ben King. Mm. Um, and, you know, we very quick to forget that he was capable of that. So, um, and, and and at the time as well, when he went forward, Ridley was on fire, Laverto was on fire, Jimmy Stewart was up on it. There really wasn't a spot for him down back, and that's what it looked like of a preseason. And now and we're at a reality- point where it doesn't seem like it's worthwhile pursuing that and, you know, let him play. So I tend to agree with you. Well, and the reality is that um, we've got Zach Reed who's fit, yeah. and they're going to play him as a 200-centimeter fullback, and they're going to develop him in that, and regardless of what happens. They're just yeah. going to play him in that position. So you might as well throw Jimmy Stewart forward, right? Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. Um, so I'll pull up Francis' stats this time last year. 20 disposals, 10 marks, uh, four tackles. Pretty solid game at, at halfback. And then I'll just mm. I'll really scroll down here for Ben Ben King. Or oh, Max King, my apologies. Eight disposals. Uh, I believe that's five marks, one tackle. Um and kicked one goal too. Uh, maybe it's not as maybe it's not as special what as what I, I thought it was. But so so I'm happy with Stuart going forward. Um, everyone knows on the pod, who listens to the podcast. I have a real soft spot for Francis. Mm. Um, and when you consider how highly they rated him, <coughs> they took him above Kerno. They took him above Harry Mackay. They took him above a number of other tall players. I think if we're to get the best out of Francis, they have to play him in the Goddard role. Um, I don't know if he's fit enough. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm saying I genuinely don't know whether he's fit enough to be that utility that floats everywhere. Plays across halfback, floats into the midfield, does a few centre bounces. I think if you want to get the most out of Francis, you just have to get give him a license to play his natural game and see what you get. Because he was very... He was talked about... He was in the conversation for number one pick that year. So mm. we have... And there's been a number of things that have happened. His, his brother's passed away. He's had some issues with depression, etc., etc. So there's been other stuff going on. But there is a player there that we are not getting the most out of who potentially is everything that we've been crying out for mm. as, as a football club. Well, I wonder if he could play Heppel's role better because he'd be a better intercept defender uh, and he's probably better kick of the footy at the moment. Um, and he's a really natural backman. So, I don't know. Yeah. But, so, has he been playing that in the VFL, has he? I don't know what he's been playing in the VFL. Um, mm. I think he's been injured again. That uh, I, do, I remember... Reading That's the stats funny. and didn't didn't uh, pull those up. Uh, sorry, I didn't see Francis come up. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure where we can have a look at the VFL teams. I, I have got it. Ambrosio, right, 32. Um, I thought D'Ambrosio came to us with a shoulder injury. I was reading something about yeah, that it was the very other week. Oh, yeah, right, he's good to go. Um, Looks like Big Alec Waterman's played in the VFL as well. So, nah, no, no Aaron Francis in the VFL. 
played the VFL fun. as well, didn't he? He was the medical sub. Yeah, but yeah. he only played quarter. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, Fran, he must be out injured. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I that. think I'm interested to see Stuart forward playing that three-pronged forward line that we had last year with Hooker, if, in fact, he does come in um, mm-hmm. after his performance. Um, I don't think we win this game. I don't think we get close. Um, no. I'm definitely not going to the game. I'll, I'll be watching it on TV, but I won't take the time to go to the to Marble to watch us get pumped by about seven goals. <laughs> I can't wait to... Uh, and we win. And you, we were doing that. Told you all along. Um, nah. Oh, sorry. It's their home game anyway. So yeah. I don't think you were ever intending on going. I don't know why no. you, you well, were. Well, we did uh, actually making... used to go to um, away games quite regularly, actually. When we were worth watching, yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I think. Well, and you've got to add McGrath to the mix as well. He'll come in at some yeah. stage. So. Um, yeah. Oh well, it's yeah, it's going to be long, another long night. There's no doubt about that. It's mm. just they they beat us in every part of the ground. Um, they they play like a football team. Yeah, um, they're flying at the moment. We aren't. So mm. yeah, it's it's going to be more of the same, unfortunately. But um, and we'll be having the same discussions next week as well. So <laughs> um, look forward to it. You know what we could actually do is just like. Um, instead of re-recording every week, just put the same episode out every week because we literally say the same stuff all the time. Yeah. And, you know, there's only like two people that listen, so no biggie. No biggie. No biggie. Um, oh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's hard being an SM fan, isn't it? It is, mm. <laughs> it is really hard. You know what? I, I was actually I was saying to my friend I went with, we are, not, not us three. Essendon fans in general, I reckon, would have to be some of, if not the most loyal fans in the comp. I think you think about what we've been through over the last mm. ten years. Uh, Melbourne fans don't turn up anymore, and, and you know they've lost a couple. Melbourne just lost a couple games, a little bit cold. We well, have there's a whole lot going on at Melbourne. Been through apparently the the most uh, controversial sporting dilemma uh, in the history of Australian sport with mm. our team. Um, we haven't won a final in 20 years. Um, we, we haven't been good in 20 years, but we still turn out in, you know, 80,000, is it 80,000 plus members? Mm. Um, it is. You know, we're still having, uh, was it, was it an Essendon home game this year at the Anzac? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, because oh, uh, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Was, you know, still turning up, there's 90,000 at the MC, uh, mind you, half in the Collingwood, but. You know, still we are. Well, there were still sixty-five thousand there on Friday night. We still show up. We still show up. Mm. And and I don't know if it says that we're loyal or if we are just dumb. stupid. Probably a bit of both. Um, mm. But there wouldn't be many other football clubs who could go as poorly as we are and still have fans turn out like that. Mm. Mm. I mean, and, and think you know, and and again, on top of what we we actually went through that drug dilemma. And came out as stronger football. Like we had more members, we had more support. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think it's you know, time to start more... repaying that support, though, and that loyalty. Like it's on the club now to start giving us some results. I, I don't disagree with you, and I would resound Lloydie on the on the on the Sunday Footy Show the other week to bring in bring in outsiders for this review. Um, Put Lloydie on the board. Mm. Exactly, what we need another Essendon person. <laughs> I was actually saying um, on Friday night, I was like, wouldn't it be the greatest if, like, Herdy and Lloydie just, like, you know, under their suits and stuff, just like ripped them off and was like, don't worry, lads, I've got this, and just ran onto the field. Clark Kent <laughs> ran to a phone box on the field. On that note, I think we've gone well past the listeners' limit. We have. We absolutely have. have. Thanks for joining me, team. We'll be back next week. That's good. Follow us. Follow us on social. On whatever. In the words of the great man Rob Dallasacho, listen on whatever platform you're currently listening on. Follow us on Instagram, the Don Father Pod, and 
do we have a Twitter? I don't think so. No, nah, nah, this is Instagram. I wonder what Danielle will come out this week for the on this week's app we discuss because oh, it's just we, sour. So we discussed a lot Danny this G. week. And sadness. Sadness. Mm. Yeah. Well, team, until next time. Go Dons. Go Dons.